0: I'm Anna.
1: And I'm Adwait. And this this is Double Double Testimony Testimony. Season 2.
0: Welcome back, guys. This week, we'll be continuing on with the Crusades Testimonies. I think one thing I've always admired about you guys is that you take your faith seriously because you know that it's about God, and so you're not afraid to make hard decisions. But somehow you don't seem to ever... Like, you don't present yourselves as ever making hard decisions like you're very you're just happy to do whatever God is leading you to do at least that's the perspective I have of you guys um and you're just some of the most fun people I know like I've been in your bible study for the past five years you've been in their bible study for like I don't know how long a lot longer than five years but you're just I always say that you guys should have your own reality show because it would just be so funny. It's like better than just some trashy show.
1: Call it living but... the dream.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes, totally. You should do that. Um, But you still like you make these decisions like memorizing scripture and that's not easy. Like that takes effort and waking up early, like whatever it takes. But I see you make decisions that to me look hard and decisions like even being in ministry and I think that seems like like easily the Christian like idea of this is what God wants everyone to do is to like be a pastor or something and I don't think that's true but I was wondering if you could speak into how God led you guys into ministry because it really is his calling on your life and I think it's powerful for people to hear how you got to that point but also how you see that as um your calling and not maybe is everyone's calling if that makes sense
2: mm-hmm.
0: yeah
1: yeah i i think
3: the lord prompts you and puts ideas in your head that weren't yours that's that's what's true in my case because though i had people saying oh yeah you'd you'd be a great teacher or you do this or that i mean i had people say that to me about teaching union insulators, because I had good knowledge and and a degree of skill when I was working in a union. And, And so I applied myself in that arena without even thinking that there would be any sort of ministry calling upon my life. When people told me that they were aspiring to be a pastor, I thought that was kind of strange and never once thought that that would be any future of mine. And it was, it was the Lord that just basically revealed it to me in a most mundane way where I was just working in the yard and praying while I'm cleaning up rubbish. And I just really had a strong impression that I was, that the Lord was calling me to pastor at some point where you're not going to teach insulators. You're going to teach my kids. You're going to, you're going to, you will preach and you will be sent. And I had no idea what that meant. It didn't make sense to me. It was not what I wanted. I mean, I remember standing there at the at the foothills in Fletcher Hills, and we had just bought this house. And I'm thinking, you know, in five, ten years, we'll be at the top of that house. We'll sl- slowly move up, move up the ladder of the corporation, and move up into, uh, you know, more, you know, retiring at fifty type idea. Or I'll, I'll be more free and I was I was teaching Bible studies at the church. I was teaching kids and it's just very natural like wait I, I'm the Lord's there's a need in the children's ministry for teachers. I can I, I'm blessed to have the opportunity to teach little kids about Jesus and the Word of God and uh, do vacation Bible school and and then I was approached to, to lead a Bible study and so these are things that was they were happening. I was in the word, I was preparing for these things, but as far as a career or a lifestyle or something that I was gonna do exclusively, that never entered my mind until that day. And it was very unique. So I just knew it was not for me. And that week I used to attend a Monday and a Thursday prayer meeting, and it was me and another brother. Most days it was just us for an hour, or an hour and a half praying at church alone. And after one of these meetings, so that very week where God said, you will preach, you'll be sent, he just turned to me as we're walking to our cars. He's like, you know, the Lord told me something about you this week. And I said, what, really? And he says, God told me you're going to be a pastor. I was like, wow, because I haven't told anyone. And I had a really strong impression that that's what God was saying to me, like on Monday. And uh, so I just kind of sat on it. I didn't want to be like, this is an aspiration of my heart or something I desire because I didn't, I really didn't. But God changed my heart to begin to desire that. And, and then there were questions about timing. How is this going to happen? When is this going to happen? It seemed impossible really. And I was reading through uh, Spurgeon's lectures to my students and he talked about Neptune. And I remember putting this quote on my corkboard where he said Neptune had long been shining before he was seen or known or named by men. But whether or not we're ever recognized by men, may we continue to shine in solitary splendor for God. Something along those lines. So it was like, whether or not anyone understands or or affirms the calling or what I've ordained you to do, you just keep serving me in the place where I have you. So I just kept serving as a Sunday school teacher and helping out. And God, I guess, showed the pastor of the church as well that he would bring me on. And so that's what happened. It was just a very, yeah, supernatural move of the spirit to, to change my heart and to change Laura's heart. And to change our pastor's heart, just to unite us in that.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's always interesting when it comes to callings and sort of being tuned in to that as well. So I think when when you're getting friends coming to you and just like reaffirming that, it's quite um, encouraging. And then allowing yourself to sit on it as well to sort of yeah, really secure that
3: um, because I've been very much like like Samuel. Remember when Samuel was told by God to go anoint to one of Jesse's sons? He's like, this is where, this is my next king. And he sees, I think, Eliab, his oldest. And he's like, ah, the Lord's anointed. Like, his, his kingly bearing. And God's like, no, I've refused him. So I think it's very dangerous in one sense to to have a... To aspire for someone else to be in a particular role or to think, oh, this young guy, he should be a pastor or this girl, she should be a missionary. Or wouldn't it be great if he was involved in this ministry? And kind of putting upon them before God has told them or they have had it settled in their heart that they're going to be obedient to God's leading. And then that begins, so what this other person says carries almost more weight than what God is saying. And so they feel like, I feel compelled to get into the ministry because everyone says I'm great at it. But the reality is God may not be calling you to pastoral ministry. He may call you to have a pastoral ministry in a family or in a Bible study or in a group, but not necessarily um, like you're not any less a pastor if you're um, insulating on the side is your, your primary career. And I think I grew up in a, an era where people thought you were less of a pastor. If you were a lay pastor, if you were doing landscaping as your job, but you were, were also teaching, or if you were a youth pastor, you're like, when are you going to become a real pastor and quit playing games all the time? <laughs> real pastor, <laughs> <laughs> But I mean, it's when you recognize that it's God who ordains you, it's God who calls you. It's He who uses you. It doesn't matter at all. You're not you're not stunted or limited in your usefulness before God because He's the one who's doing the work in and through you. So you're not it's not like there's something to attain by having some full-time ministry position that you can't do right where you are right now. Mm-hmm. But we don't believe that quite often. We think I'm, I have not arrived until I am the pastor of a church. I have not arrived until there's 100 people at my church. Mm. Or I haven't arrived until I've done this or done that. Some arbitrary thing until I have a million followers or I write a book. I really can't be everything that God's called me to be. But that is a lie. God's called you to be right where he has you and to rejoice in him and be obedient to him in increasing degrees Today. And it's for him to decide about all those other things that really, in the big scope, they don't matter.
0: Yes, I think even just the point of just saying yes to God is a victory in his eyes because it's it's the heart he's looking for. It's not the numbers like you're saying. I think that's so encouraging.
1: How did you go with that, Laura, in terms of being tuned into that Um, yourself?
2: I think that uh Ben was always really encouraged when I didn't say no. <laughs> 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 um I'm a very like I like to plan, right? Yeah. And so this was not part of my plan. <laughs> and it it meant a lot of changes. It meant a huge drop in income. Um so we couldn't move up the hill to buy the bigger house. Well, possibly. It meant, um, that I was going to be living in a glass bubble where everybody was going to be expecting something of me that I wasn't ready for, you know, things like that. Um, I didn't even really know what it meant, but those were the first couple of things that I'm like, I'm happy where we're at. What's wrong with just, you know, having a home fellowship and doing service without moving into, you know, full-time ministry. But, um, I think... The lack of fear and God's peace was just my answer. It was like, you know, um, we did the youth ministry at that church for a year unpaid. And um, we just felt like there was something going to change soon. And so we were just praying it. And and we just said, well, if we're offered the position, that that's the call. And so we'll take it. And, and so that that we felt like that was the answer that the Lord gave us and the pastor and his wife asked us out to dinner, which, you know, that's the only time it's ever happened. (laughs) And, and they, um, asked Ben to come on staff. And so we said, yes, and it's been crazy. (laughs) Um, but once you say yes to God and no, you know, that peace just floods you. And then you're ready for the next yes, you know. Um, So I think there was a lot of growth during those times. um, And a lot of mistakes too, you know. Um, I think it's good that people don't get into a a senior pastor position of 10,000 people when they just turned 30. You know, it's, it's huge. And you still have a lot of maturing to do, even though Ben was so mature in his faith i wasn 't at all um, and so I think there's god's grace to allow me to grow along with the ministry for that particular stint um i I felt like i was i wasn't working outside the house at the time because I had two little ones um, so my Point in it was that um, I was there to help him in whatever way he needed. So, you know, I think I have a gift in admin. <laughs> mm. So I just took on board, you know, organizing all the events, making calendars and directories and um, these kinds of things. And then also, um, I really um, wanted to make sure that all of the kids felt included. So I would take pictures at the events and make sure to get a picture of every single person um, so that they felt included and valued. Um, so I, I had that sense of, okay, let's, let's include the ones that don't feel included. Um, so I think for youth ministry, that's super important. I think that's important for adult ministry as well, but um, for youth, they're seen a lot more with the events and stuff. And so um, I focused on that as well.
1: So through this journey, what, what's sort of been sort of like the the best and worst, sort of like the ups and the downs for you? Um, yeah, I guess moving on into the next sort of chapter in your life, like here, okay. now, yeah. like continuing that faith forward and just keep walking in with the Lord. How has it been... Um,
2: like, moving yeah. here was super hard <laughs> <laughs> That was super hard um, I mean we prayed about it for what like five years it was a long yeah. time um, in the making and I was totally not okay with it like I was to the point where I was like well live like a military family you can go I, I didn't doubt his call at all um, you can go and just come home every three months or something <laughs> you know like I'm not leaving my family's here the kids are settled here I was not ready and the lord was very gracious and he gave a lot of time (laughs) for that to culminate um
1: just as context so where 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 were you at the time like where was the move happening from from, what for ben and for you
2: oh so we were in san diego yeah and um we had been doing the youth there for five years when when we left Mm -hmm. um so basically, right when we started, that is when we started praying about Australia. So that was just wrong because <laughs> yeah. we we're just starting. Yeah. yeah, but when when we started that, I really felt like the Lord said four years. You know, we'll see the the year because the youth group there is year nine to twelve, and so we'll see these year nines to graduation. That that was my thinking of the whole thing uh, when we started. And that extra year in there um, was a very difficult one for me. Um, I feel like I should have pulled out. Like, I just, mm. anyway, that was the Lord dealing with me. (laughs) (laughs) We won't go into that. But, um, so during that time we're praying about Australia, um, I finally got to the point where I said, Okay, Lord, I'm tired of fighting you. You know, I know your call on Ben's life. I don't have a shadow of a doubt of any of that, but what's my part in this, you know? And he very clearly said, your call is to be a wife and a mom, and you can do that in any country. And so then it was like, okay, I don't have an argument to that, you know, that's true. <laughs> so it really, when we moved here, it really recentered centered um, what I was about, because I had become very selfish and self-centered the kids were old enough that they didn't need me constantly. And so I was out with friends and just doing stuff, um, not being as much a part of the family as I needed to be. Um, so moving here and focusing on my family it has just been instrumental in everything. You know, it it recentered me to focus on the Lord and focus on, you know, helping Ben where he needs it and, and raising our kids to be godly young men, um, which praise the Lord he's allowed us to do now. Mm-hmm. So I've actually, I'm getting ahead of myself now, but mm-hmm. I'm now in a, in a transition season that both the kids are adults now that I don't know what my place is in the, in that mothering part of my call anymore. Mm-hmm. So, we're moving on <laughs> to the next step, which I haven't figured out yet. I think that there's always dry seasons, you know um, and you get through one and then you are just so in love with the Lord again. you know because something's happened to fill you again and you know you're overflowing instead of really thirsty. And, and so, I mean, that's going to be your whole life. You're going to, you're going to have that because people, you know, and we, do dumb things, (laughs) but you know, God's right there. We just have to make that decision to call on him and he takes us back and, and he trains us again, you know, so, um, yeah, moving here was super hard and I probably cried every day for months. Um, not like constantly you know but just missing family and and the unfamiliarity and not knowing anybody else and just yeah a lot of things but we had our, our little unit our family unit and um i think the lord's really blessed us with a very close family unit because of the move we had to rely on each other you know i always hear about other parents complaining that their kids fight so much and i'm like I don't even know what that's like. Our kids do not fight. They love each other. <laughs> you know? And that's just God. That's He just brought them together and and
1: Yeah. I guess same question to you then Ben. Like how how has that been on your side? The best and worst things? Uh
3: in thinking it over, I think the worst thing about following Jesus is seeing your own wretchedness <laughs> where Moses is like, Lord, kill me now lest I see my own wretchedness uh, that you, you really do. You, you have the light of the, of Christ, the, the word that's pointing out your flaws that uh, the conscience is being pricked. You're, you're seeing your own inconsistencies quite often, and your lameness. (laughs) And so the Lord, he says, don't despise the chastening of the Lord, that he chastens those he loves, like a man chastens the son in whom he delights. And so to realize these corrections and chastenings and convictions are really for our good and for the benefit of our relationship with the Lord and our, our fruitfulness that when we're connected to the vine, those branches that are fruitful get pruned so that they could be more fruitful. And there's always been, it seems like often there are pruning seasons in life where God has you cull things from your life or uh, change the way that you seek to be entertained or to to just your mindset and the things you hold on to that he is telling you to lop off from your life and to be done with and so that's a process that you have to continue and embrace and I remember one time chucking my albums I had a bunch of uh, you know vinyl that I had collected and this was my second collection I had given my collection away once and then I had slowly started accumulating albums again and and I just felt really strongly that the Lord would have me not resell them or gift them, but trash them. And I remember checking me in the bin and just saying, all right, Lord, is there anything else? Is there anything else you'd have me get rid of? Because I'm just, I'm kind of tired of this. I'm tired of just having to get rid of this and get rid of that. Like, if there's anything else, tell me right now so we can just get it out of the way. And he's like, well, the, the impression was, you are mine. What do you mean just getting rid of stuff? It's like, you are mine. This, it's a totally different thing. You're mine. So it's not about what you have or what you don't have. You need to realize that you are mine. And I have all of you. Like, I own you. I purchased you. So there's nothing off limits for me. You've been kind of holding things like, this is mine. This is mine. This is mine. This is what I like. And But you're mine. All of it. Like not just, I'm not after this little thing to get rid of. I'm not after that for you to stop doing. You have to realize that you are mine. I purchased you. And that was a, that was a watershed moment where I'm like, okay, so he just doesn't want my albums. He actually wants me (laughs) because it's easy to chuck an album or to, you know, burn your CDs or that's, that's easy. As hard as it is, but it's a lot harder. It's a lot more needful to really just give your life to Jesus and to keep giving your life to Jesus after you've believed in him. Mm. So that's the challenge is to continue fostering obedience and relationship and taking steps of faith. But the great thing is, is really with that, that it's not based upon our obedience that God blesses us. Like he blessed us before we knew him. He sent Jesus to be our savior and he he just has he gives us those you know those hallelujah fist pumping moments where you just come across something in the word it's like oh this is dynamite this is so good this is so needy, needful for my life and such a blessing to other people to to be able to have the the privilege to read God's word to share God's word to to have complete access to God at all times and the comfort and the consolation he gives that with, with all I think the two Corinthians chapter one, where it talks about the consolation that we have in Christ, that with all the the trials and difficulties that he allows, they always serve a redemptive purpose and that he is able to use those for our good and his glory. And even when we suffer, those sufferings can be an encouragement to other people about God's faithfulness in and through them. So recognizing that we're part of a body is a great boon. Uh, That that we're not alone, that we are one in Christ with our brothers and sisters, to know that it was such a great moment to realize, like, I need that sister, and I need that brother, and that sister needs me. Because God has strength that he wants to supply to the body and profitability uh, and edification and encouragement for all of us, through all of us. That there's no one that like, that's right, I'm going to carry the load because you're slacking off. But to say, even those who appear to be weak or strong, they need the Lord and one another just as much. And the people who have the appearance of strength are just as weak as everyone else. And so coming to grips with that has been really good. Realizing like, I need God. I need to keep following the Lord. And because I think it's easy to fall into the performance trap that you are walking with the Lord because you do these things. Mm. Because I show up on a Sunday I must be walking with God. But anybody can show up to Sunday. I mean, people show up to Bunnings every Sunday. <laughs> right? <laughs> and there's no unconditional love there. There, I mean, they they love their
1: DIY. Do yourself. Or how do you say it? Do yourself. Yeah. yeah,
3: do yeah it there's yourself so much
1: um, fried onion before that. It eventually makes you slip and fall on them. Right. <laughs> yes. Right. Like, so we we would
3: do a disservice to boil down God's love to only being unconditional because there's people who unconditionally love the rabbitos. Like, <laughs> you know, they will be with them through thick and thin. They hold up the signs that says, till I die, you know, oh like my goodness, yes. I'm bleeding, you know, I'm bleeding my colors, but it's like, okay, we can be dedicated to sport. We can be dedicated to a brand. We can be dedicated to an activity, but do... Do we love Jesus and are we following him and trusting him and relying on him? And like, it's good that you're doing that, but Mm -hmm. will you keep doing it and continuing to deepen that walk with him? Mm -hmm. That's the great challenge. So we can never like feel good about ourselves. We should only be praising and glorifying and extolling God. Mm -hmm. And that's where we're kind of like little kids. I think I have done it. I have dressed myself today. I have brushed my teeth. I have done this or I have accomplished Mm -hmm. when it's God who did it. And when we we miss that and we think like, you know, I nailed it, God forbid, (laughs) because he's the one who, if there's anything good in my life, it's because of Jesus. It's not because I supplied anything. And so that keeps us grounded in relying upon him to continue to do the things he's done and to not Uh, take glory for ourselves. So it's like, if there's praise, if there's uh, recognition, just hand that straight to Jesus into his care and say, this is really yours. This isn't mine. I don't deserve this. I I want to be polite to someone who has something encouraging to say and receive the encouragement, but give the glory to God. Give the praise to Jesus because it's only because of him that we're anything or of any use for the kingdom of God. And that keeps me from the the stronghold and the pitfall of pride,
1: Yeah.
3: which I have a long and storied history with.
0: <laughs> That's awesome. I think that also, it goes back to a lot of stuff I feel like you've helped me through with Planted and just the idea of wanting to do what God wants for the sake of pleasing him and just kind of That whole idea of you saying before not being snatched away by God, but I guess sometimes on the flip side, I'll feel like, but I'm still here, so isn't that enough? And it's really, it's not even about being you being here, because it's I guess it goes like with the prodigal, the parable of the prodigal son. There was like the prodigal's brother who he thought he was all good and he was the good one, but it was really, it's only things are only going well because the dad is there like right, right. it's still kind of he's the main character really but yeah i think that's really good i love that
1: yeah it's been quite a special episode here yeah. we've got double the people yeah uh it's been yep double the time <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it's been double the wisdom and it's been yeah. double the great advice quadruple the testimonies though. But thank you guys for coming on and really sharing um, all that you have. It's been quite encouraging. I think there's some really large gold nuggets in there that um, the Lord has spoken through. you. for having us. It's quite great. Thank you. Yeah, well, we'll catch you on the next one, guys. Thank you for listening.
0: Yep, super keen. Uh,
1: So, yeah. Um, Stay tuned, guys. Catch you later. See you next time. Bye. Miss us already? Don't worry. We've got you covered.
0: You guys can check out our Instagram page at planted.ministries to see all our latest posts and our IGTV series, The Conversation.
1: While you're there, you can check out the links to our YouTube channel and our blog page in the bio.
0: And before you know it, it'll be this time next week. But until then,
1: Stay stay planted.